Today we want to continue to speak about serving. How last week we talked about how serving postures us to see the world, to see others differently. And serving, when we talk about it as a value, this is what we mean, that we serve God by serving others wholeheartedly. And it is that our service positions us to best see others. That we care about people first before we think about what they can offer. And we endeavor to look for the best in each other. Everybody say the best. We endeavor to look for the best in each other, even online. We endeavor to look for the best in each other. Now, this morning, I want to use a word. I'm going to use a word intentionally. And the moment I use this word, here's what's going to happen for many of you. You're going to disqualify yourself from the rest of the message based on the word that I use. And I'm going to prayerfully hope that you trust it. Just don't do that. I want God to do something in your heart and life that you wouldn't immediately, perhaps, disqualify yourself when I use this particular word. And this word that I'm going to use, I understand why you might disqualify yourself because I, too, for many years, disqualified myself when this word was raised. You see, this word that I'm about to say is something that I didn't experience growing up. I, was, I never had the honor and privilege of being the smartest kid in the class. I never had the privilege of being the fastest kid in a race. I was always the kid on sports teams who was a great teammate. You know, on my, all my report cards, all it said is he had us an amazing heart, which again, growing up, felt like such a useless thing. Like, great, thank you very much. I have an awesome heart. Yay. Right? You know, so all I want to do is run fast. All I want to do is jump high. I, was, I went out for my high school basketball team. I was cut. My dad came. I walked through the doors, and my dad said, how did it go? And I just went like this, and he went, oh, no. Right? No, I deserved to be cut. Don't feel bad for me. I wasn't the best one. I, I, it was great. And then the next year, I did make it, and I was the most amazing bench warmer that you have ever seen <laughs> in your entire life. But I was on the team, and they gave me a jersey and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. You know, there are those of you, when I say this word, you and I, we, we share something in common. We are purple participation ribbon people. That's who we are. Our mantle is, doesn't have any chauveries, but it sure has a lot of purple participation ribbons. And here's the word. The word is leader. The word is leader. And the moment I say that word, some of you who see yourself as a leader, you're like, okay, I can listen and learn some things. And the moment some of you hear that word, you go, oh, that's somebody else. And I rebuke that in Jesus' name. No, I'm speaking to you. Because there are two other words that Jesus used when he spoke about leadership, make and message or ministry. These are the words that Jesus spoke about that we want to look at today. I understand that there are very varying levels of leadership, I understand that there's various levels of influence, of responsibility, even authority, and I understand completely and wholeheartedly that for some of us, some people can carry different levels of leadership differently. I understand that. I'm not pretending there isn't a difference around those things. Not at all. But when I say that every single one of us is a leader, again, there's these two words of make, and there's this word of ministry that Jesus gives to all of us that are critical. And so in Jesus' final week on, on earth, there was this example that he gave us that showed leadership. And it's in John chapter 13, verses 3 to 5. And here's what it says. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things, everyone say all things. All things into his hand. That's not only inheritance, that's also positional. 
That's authority. Jesus, knowing that the Father had entrusted to him all things, all authority the Father had entrusted to him into his hands. And then it says this, that he had come from God and then he was going back to God, dot, 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 that he was here for a vapor, that there was a specific time in which God wanted to use his life, God in God, in the person of Jesus, fully God, fully man, to use his life to make a difference, that he was from God and he was going back to God. So there was this limited time, just like we've just demonstrated, that within a couple of generations, many of our names will be forgotten, but there are ways in which we can make a Jesus-sized difference if we seize the opportunity that we have. There's an old expression that says, the lifetime of an opportunity must be seized during the lifetime of that opportunity. It's one of those things you just reverse the words and people go, oh, Confucius say, it's good. Okay, so Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands and he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist and all of his disciples would have been getting very uncomfortable. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet. So ushers, would you bring in the bowls, please? No, I kid, I kid, I kid. Some of you are freaking out like, I'm not taking off my shoes, no way. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now drop down to verse 12. So there's a gap here. We're going to finish at verse 5. We're going to drop down to verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, all of their feet, pause. When he had washed all of their feet, including Jesus, Judas's feet. And he put on his outer garments and he resumed his place. And he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? And then he said these words, You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, Jesus said, that you should also do, everyone say do, not teach about, but do. You should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, and here's what Jesus said that was so revolutionary. A servant is not greater than the master. So there's something about position that God sees differently than we see position. A servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, here's what he said. Blessed. Everyone say blessed. Blessed are you if you do them. Not if you hear them and not if you understand them, but if you do them, there is a blessing to those of us who will take up the call of being leaders who serve those around us. There's a blessing in many things. There's a blessing when we live in unity together. There's lots of different things. But Jesus said that there is this blessing that comes when we learn to wash one another's feet, when we learn to see each other the way he sees us. There's a blessing that comes when you and I learn how to serve one another. And Jesus, who I am convinced is the greatest leader that the world has ever known, that 2,000 years later his truth keeps marching on, Jesus, the greatest leader the world has ever known, showed us the heart of leadership from his perspective. Showed us what it is to be a leader. Remember, Jesus is not only Savior, he is King. And he is King in this moment. 
And Jesus is not turning leadership upside down. We've had it upside down since the beginning almost sin entered the world. Jesus is turning it right side up. He's showing us the heart of what leadership should look like. What it should be present in our hearts and lives. And it's this interesting thing because we read a bit of the story, then we jumped to the bottom of the story, but in between where we didn't read is where we want to go right now because there's a disciple who has his feet washed and his name is Peter. And Peter's really struggling with Jesus washing his feet. Why? Here's why. Dot, dot, dot. Because we have servants for that. And Jesus is saying to Peter, no, 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 no. If you don't get that this is leadership, then you don't get what I've been showing you for three and a half years. That you can't pawn off washing the feet of another to somebody else. You cannot make your calling somebody else's job. Oh. And so there's this moment Again, between the gap of the passage of Scripture that we read, that there's this moment of understanding how you and I are called to not only love, but lead in the world in which God has placed us. Because did you know that God always places leaders in the gap? He always places servant leaders in tension between what is and what could be. In those spaces, he places leaders. And the, the opportunity and the equal challenge of all of our lives is as God begins to use our lives that it doesn't go to our heads. That wherever you are at work, if you're given titles, that the titles don't go to your head. That yes, they may come with a function and a responsibility that was different than a previous one, but the greatest call that you and I have when we look at people around us, whether the person is your spouse or the people are your kids or whether they're your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, whatever it happens to be, that the highest call of a leader is to serve. The highest call. In fact, if you and I as followers of Jesus want to make a Jesus size different. It's only going to come through servant leadership. I agree with an author by the name of Patrick Lencioni that he casts out a dream when he speaks about leadership, even in business culture, governmental culture, athletics, that he says, I actually believe in a day that the definition of leadership can become so synonymous with servant leadership that there's just no other kind of leadership. That we need to rid out of our culture this entitlement around it. And then we need to recapture the heart of service. No greater week than to speak on this topic than the week of Remembrance Day when we celebrate individuals whose names will come to the surface. And then in Ottawa, you can go to the tomb of the unknown soldier who served and gave and sacrificed for freedom, no greater example than the one who lays down their life. And I know in 2019 that there are many, many different opinions around war and passivity and all of those things, even within a doctrinal or a theological construct and conference. But hey, we always honor the warrior. 
even though we have different opinions about war, because their sacrifice enables us the freedom to even have these conversations. You know, every single year when we want to honor uh, those who are in military, past, current, we want to honor first responders. And we always say, hey, would you stand? There's always this gap where it's like, no, I don't, I don't. Because it's so contrary to their nature to receive because they give. Always happens every year. So in the middle of this story, Peter, in John 13, verse 8, says to Jesus, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Don't you love Peter? I love him. Peter just gives me hope, man. (laughs) He does. And women. We've got to change that now in 2019. Peter just gives me hope, humanity. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus then answers him, if I do not wash you, your feet, you have no share with me. And if you keep reading, if you have your Bible open, Peter's like, okay, then wash all of me. And Jesus goes, no, I'm just washing your feet, you moron. (laughs) It's just an example. Oh, right, yeah, sure, absolutely, right? He's he's a foot and mouth guy, and I love him for it. But Jesus says to him, no, 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 If if Peter, listen, Peter, if you're struggling to receive me washing your feet, Why? Why is he struggling again? Because that's not what teachers and lords do. That's not what rabbis do. Dot, dot, dot. We have servants for that. And Jesus again is saying, no, 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 Peter. No, 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 no. If you don't get that, and here's what else you don't get. Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, if you don't let me do this for you, Jesus says to him, how are you ever going to let me save you? How are you going to let me? I'm going to die for you. Because right now in this moment, Peter, you think you're something you're not. You think that you're the bravest and the strongest one. But before this night is out, you're going to betray me. And Peter, I am going to show you the depths of how much you need saving, even after walking with me for three and a half years. And so, Peter, if you think this is me serving you, you haven't seen anything yet. And that's why Jesus says to him, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you got no share. In other words... Peter, you got to lower your pride and you got to let me serve you. The greatest stumbling block from people coming to Christ is not often a theological argument. It is the lowering of pride to admit that they are in need of saving. It is the rejection of servant Jesus in their life. They don't need serving. Broken people need serving, not me. And from God's perspective, we're all broken in need of saving, in need of healing. So again, serving, I love it in this text because serving doesn't lower us, it postures us, it positions us. Serving doesn't lower us, it it, it positions us. Remember what Jesus said just a moment ago, what we read? The Father gave all things, again, authority into Jesus' hands. And why are the disciples struggling? Because something in their belief about how leaders lead and kings are kings is kings don't get down here and wash feet. Because to do so, you lose something of your kingship. 
And Jesus is saying to them, he's course correcting them, going, no, 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 no. When you get down to serve, you see from a different perspective. And when you get down here, Jesus corrects them and says, no, 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 no. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. That is exactly who I am. And being teacher and Lord, I still get down here and serve. But getting down here and serving doesn't change who I am because who I am is not defined by who you say I am, but who my Father says I am. And for all of us as followers of Jesus, you and I are not defined by what other people say we are, but by what our Father says about who we are. So Christians, when we get down to serve, it doesn't change who we are in Christ. You with me? And that's what Jesus, one of the things that Jesus is pointing out here. You lose nothing about your identity when you change your posture. An old but true expression is this, in following Jesus, if serving is beneath you, then leadership will always be beyond you. If serving is beneath you in the kingdom, then leadership will always be beyond you. That it is this thing that you and I engage. But I also think that there's another layer that we can drill down to this morning, and it's the layer of fear. And it's not just the layer of fear. I shouldn't even say it that way. It is the layer of, of experience. Because oftentimes, we can romanticize what it is to get down here and to begin to serve. But how many of you know the lower you get, the increased probability that you're going to get stepped on occurs? It's true. If I get down here, I might get, skept- I might get stepped on. Um, no. When you get down here, you is going to get stepped on. There's no maybe in it. And oftentimes it's like, wait a minute, I I, I don't want to get down there because I don't want to get stepped on. And I want to just put an illustration in your mind that I've had in my mind that really helped me as a young leader and helps me even in my everyday life and in my everyday posture of my heart when it gets out of balance this always helps but it also enables me to help when i look at the world in which i live on my my left your right i want you to a picture a doormat whatever one you want it can say welcome it can have a picture of your dog on it it can say mi casa su casa it can say bienvenue whatever you want And then on my right, your left, I want you to picture a bridge, whatever bridge you want. Golden Gate, Brooklyn Bridge, uh, Champlain Bridge, a bridge in Gatineau. Speaking of Gatineau, last Sunday morning, I woke up, went into the washroom. Lori was in the washroom, and I did this. And I saw something right here. I got a magnifying glass, and it was a muscle. No, I kid. But I saw something right here. I, I saw something right here. And I didn't have my contacts in. So I went like this. And I thought, I thought maybe I cut my, I thought, I didn't, time out. I didn't think I cut myself. I thought Lori cut me when we were sleeping. <laughs> so I did this. And I saw its legs move. I had a tick in my arm. <laughs> I know. Don't worry. They give me antibiotics. That's like napalm for my body. They said, don't lie down within 30 minutes because it'll burn your esophagus. And I was like, what? 
So, so thanks for your prayers. But yeah, I had a tick in there. So I, I, I Googled. I didn't go to God first. I went right to Google. How do I get this tick out? <laughs> I believe God can do lots of things, but I want to know. In this, okay, I, I'm not proud of it, but I trusted Google more than God in this moment. And Google, and Google didn't fail me. Told me exactly how to get the tick out. So I got the tick out. Some of you are like, are you okay? I think so. I mean, I've got this little incubation period now, so pray I don't get Lyme disease, would you? Thank you. And so, anyways, that all triggered because I thought of the Gatnos. So I either got it from my dog or the Gatnos. Every time I look at my dog, I always look at him and go, I love you that much, you mangy. Anyways, so you can think of the Gatineau Bridge. So over here, you can think of a doormat. We're just going to keep moving. Is that okay? Oh, there's no, like, ta-da, the story. I just had a tick and took it out, and now I'm on antibiotics. That's it. Ta-da, the end. So I don't know why I told you. It was because I thought about Gatineau. I was like, maybe I got it in Gatineau, like, two weeks ago, and the tick's been in me for two weeks, feeding on me, growing. Maybe. I don't like to think of that. I think I got it the day before from the dog. That helps me sleep at night, so let me live in that delusion, okay? Thank you. So over here on my left... Think of a doormat, and over here, think of a bridge. Got it? Yes. I know, that, that's it. After the service, nothing of leadership. How are you doing with the tick? Oh, for the Lord. Next service is not talking about the tick. <laughs> doormat and bridge. Both are walked on. But one is instrumental in helping people get from one point to another. One, people just wipe their crap on because they don't want it inside their house. Church, when you get down here, sometimes you need discernment to figure out, are people using me as a doormat or a bridge? Are people just wiping their stuff on me, but they have no interest in changing whatsoever? Or are they walking on me with their same dirty feet but it's for a grander purpose that they can walk on my life to get to somewhere where they can't get to on their own. Now, parents, don't look at your kids and say that they're using me like a doormat. That's your job. Right? But at some point, hopefully before they turn 50, <laughs> at some point before they turn 50, you're hoping that they're making their way across the bridge, at least in the middle of the bridge. That's the dream. Sometimes the hard question we need to ask the Holy Spirit is given time. Everyone say given time. Given time. Are you using my life to help someone get from one point to another? Or are they just using me to wipe their feet with their junk on me? And they have no interest in change. Here's what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 verses 17 to 19. Therefore, if anyone, everyone say if anyone. I think that includes you. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. All of this is from God. All of this is from who? Sure sounds like Jesus said, all this is from the Father. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and then gave us. Everyone say gave us. Gave us the ministry or this message of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was and is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. 
All right? And entrusting to us this message. He's entrusted to us this message of reconciliation. And it's not just for some of us. It's for all of us. That every single one of us, God wants to use our lives to give and to be this message of reconciliation to the world in which we live. That every single one of us who have given our lives to Jesus have gone from old to new. Jesus is the bridge in which we have crossed over because of what we couldn't get there without him, that we've been entrusted with this gift, this ministry of reconciliation, that all of us are called. Reconciliation is, by definition, standing in the gap between something that is and something that could be and seeing those two things come closer together or as close as humanly possible. And to do that, God uses Christians' lives. To do that, he uses servant leaders of which all of us are called. Every single one of us are called. And again, it may be for you with your, in just in your marriage or with your family, or it may extend out to there to your neighbors, or may, God may use your life in different fashions. It's not, we will not be judged by the size of all of our ministries, but by the faithfulness and fruitfulness of what God entrusts into our hands. And so I want you to know, leader, that the Lord has need of you. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is in desperate need of reconciliation. The world is in need of you engaging the gap in that space. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he made him, now this is talking about Jesus, to be sin who knew, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become, everyone say we might become, we might become the righteousness of God. Again, so Jesus was mistreated. Yeah, he was misunderstood. He was falsely accused. He was betrayed. But he did it not to be a doormat, to be a bridge. He did it for a grander purpose that anyone who calls in the name of the Lord should be saved. He did it for a grander purpose, not just to show us what humility is, but to show us the power of all things being put into his hands. Again, Jesus was a bridge, not a doormat. Jesus said no to people. Did you know that? Jesus spoke truth and he let people walk away sad. Jesus was clear with what he was called to do and what he wasn't called to do. He was clear on those things. And again, being a servant and bending down to wash the disciples' feet, Jesus never stopped being who he was. He was teacher and Lord. He was king and savior. Final scripture. It's a famous one. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Because there's one final word. And Jesus came and said to them, to his disciples, including Peter, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go. Everyone say go. Go, therefore, and what? Does it say here, go, Christian leaders? Just says, go, all disciples, go, therefore, and make. Go and create. Go and cultivate. Go on mission and make disciples. Show people through your life and through your testimony who God is, what God has done. In other words, 
in the way that I have shown you. Now you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded with you. And then Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Again, I don't see this command only applying to a few. It applies to all of us. All we have to figure out is not, do you want to use my life? Simply, how you want to use my life. And here's what is pivotal to understand as we close. It is this, how God uses your life in different seasons can change, but that he wants to use your life never changes. Because the great commission is not for the select few. It is for the entire body. And so you, if Jesus believes that you can make disciples, if Jesus believes that you can go in the authority that he has entrusted, if Jesus calls you to do this, then don't you dare disqualify yourself from being a servant disciple, a servant leader, one who's entrusted with a commission and one who's also entrusted with this beautiful ministry of reconciliation. You just have to figure out how. And I believe with my whole heart that the world is not dying to hear Christians pontificate. The world is dying to continue to see Christians who will posture themselves and learn what it is to serve a lost and broken world. So may you not disqualify yourself from being used by God. May you not disqualify yourself. All a leader is, is someone who God gives the ability to influence one other person. If you're influencing just one other person, which all of us do, the word for that is leadership. So may you serve the city. May you serve your family. May you serve your church. And may you do it as an act of worship under the king who called you and showed you and showed me what it is to serve. 